Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a holistic health coach and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, services, programs, and current ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and most importantly, enjoy the show. I am so excited because today's guest is one of my favorite people in the universe. And what we're talking about is very interesting because not many people are aware of the illness we're going to discuss. But before I get into that, a few updates. I'm back for a brief period of time. I was in Dallas and then my birthday weekend was lots of fun. And I'm going to be heading out at the end of the month again and I'll be gone for a few weeks. I'm going to Paleo FX in Austin. If anyone else is going to Paleo FX, let's hang out. Let's meet. After that, I'm going to South Carolina. And then after that, I'm going to the Bay Area. So I'll be gone for about three weeks. That's my life. So that'll be fun. And I'm just trying to pull myself together until then. But The day that this comes out will be a new group of women for my Paleo Women Lifestyle Program, which I am super excited about. I cannot wait to get to know the new ladies and take them through the program, and it's going to be so much fun, so I'm definitely in a good mood right now. It's my favorite thing. And if you didn't sign up for the program this time, then stay tuned. Get on my email list to find out when I do my next round. I'm not sure when that will be. But I will definitely send out emails when that's going to happen. And you can sign up on my website, ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Another update. It is springtime. Summer is rolling around the corner. And now it's the time of year when everyone is trying to get in shape. If you know me, you know my opinion on this. I don't believe in quick fixes or cheats, no crash diets, no crazy exercise. Like let's do something that is sustainable and that actually provides results. And, you know, people have a hard time with fitness in particular. People always ask me what guides are the best. I buy a lot of guides and I've tried out many things and I'm just a critical person in general. So there's that. But if you know me and you listen to this podcast, you know the one group of people I trust are the guys from Mind Pump. I love them and love their guides and their programming. Go on their website and check out all the testimonials. They have really, really great workout programming and a ton of different fitness guides depending on what your goals are. Unlike other programming that unfortunately is out there and popular, this is not going to put you into adrenal fatigue and totally mess up your hormones. So this will actually help you build muscle and strength and get you looking and feeling the way that makes you feel best. So go to mindpumpmedia.com slash Christina Rice Wellness 
and check out all of their different programs. If you're just looking to, you know, build strength, get fit, you're just, you know, the average person wanting to look and feel good, go for MAPS Anabolic. Their MAPS Performance program is for athletes and MAPS Aesthetic is more of, you know, if you're getting in shape for bodybuilding competition style, which I feel like not that many people listening to this probably are, but maybe. MAPS Anywhere I feel like would be a really popular one for my audience. So you can do that from anywhere, like it's called. So you don't need to go to a gym. You don't need any equipment besides some bands, but a lot of, you know, if you're into body weight, you can do that. So those are kind of the main ones to look to. And if you want to do HIT training, you can use their MAPS HIT program, but that needs to be exercised with caution. That's not meant to be you buy MAPS HIT and you just do MAPS HIT forever. HIT training is a tool, not your life. So there's that. And right now, if you buy any of their bundles, you get the no BS six pack formula guide from them for free. So if you want to work on those abs, but just thought I'd throw that out there because I get so many questions about what fitness programs to get. And I just am a huge believer in their programming. I own all of their guides. So I've seen all of them. I haven't done all of them, but I've done their their programs before and it is good. They know what they're doing. If you listen to one of their podcasts or one of the podcasts they've been on on here, you know that they know what they're doing. So go to mindpumpmedia.com slash Christina Rice wellness and that link will be in the show notes and pick up your MAPS program and you know, you'll have programming for a long time and then you don't won't have to worry about it. You won't have to worry about if you're doing it right or wrong. Just follow the follow the format and you're good to go. So there's that. I think it's time that I introduce today's guest, my friend Eleni or L or Lenny, as we call her from the LCHF lifestyle on Instagram. Yes, she's another one of my Instagram friends. She lives in Australia, so she is quite far across the pond from me, but I seriously adore her, and she makes the most delicious food and has some really yummy recipes, and she hosts something called Talking All Things Keto, and I've been on an episode of that, and she posts all of those to her YouTube channel, which I will link down below, but if you want to find her on Instagram... Her handle is at the underscore LCHF underscore lifestyle. She's amazing. Yeah, so we just really connected. She has a beautiful soul and a beautiful heart. And she has a very, very interesting health journey. And she actually joined my doTERRA team. You guys know I'm really into essential oils. And she loves her doTERRA essential oils as well. And she ended up joining my team. So, you know, we talked about all the ways she could use her oils in her own life to help with her health issues because we're both really into these natural healing methods. And we have sort of similar experiences with dealing with situations where conventional medicine just was not doing it for us and did not give us the answers we needed and had to sort of be our own health advocates to find what we were looking for. But she has had a crazy journey. And as I learned more about her and her experience with autoimmune disease, you know, she 
struggled with Hashimoto's and has had a lot of mysterious chronic health issues and came to discover that they were rooted in breast implant illness, which is something that I wasn't really that aware about before having met Elle. And now I come to find out that there's this whole like, there's this huge community of women who are struggling with breast implant illness and it's not really being talked about. And I think, I mean, we, I mean, we can get more into this in the episode, but a lot of this is it's hush hush that people don't want to know about it, but also that people don't even know that it's happening. Don't even realize that the root of a lot of their health issues might be from their breast implants and how this extends to other things that we put in our bodies, anything, you know, not just breast implants, but anything that we put in our bodies and we don't really think about at the time because none of these health issues, I mean, when people are getting implants, their doctors aren't saying, oh, well, you know, there's a risk of getting an autoimmune disease after this. You know, no one's saying that. And I think that that's really because they don't really know that. The health space nowadays is incredibly interesting. I think everybody is still learning and Elle's experience is one that I really wanted to share. This is a longer episode, but I really wanted to make sure we got as much of her story in there as possible. And we also talk about resources through this episode if you think that you might be struggling with this, which I will link all in the show notes in the blog post that's on my website. But I think that you guys are going to find this really, really interesting. If if nothing else, I mean, you'll definitely learn a lot. If nothing else, you will fall in love with Elle the way I have. She is so inspiring and just such a badass. How she just totally fought for her own health. And she's so kind and loving. And I just adore her. And she's so wise. I think that there is just a lot to be learned from her journey and from her in general. We also bond, well, we not only bond over the fact that we love the same types of food. I love her meals. They look so good. And we also love our doTERRA essential oils, which by the way, if you're interested in learning more about essential oils and all that they can do for your health, check out my blog posts on them. If you want to, you know, get into oils, you can go to bit.ly slash doTERRA CRW and sign up for a doTERRA membership there. It's just $35 for the whole year, and that means that you get 25% off of everything for the rest of the year, so it basically pays for itself, and then when you sign up, we we chat. I chat with you, and I tell you all the ways you can implement those in your own life, so yeah. Well, Elle and I bond not only over our love for doTERRA, but also over our love for Somnifix mouth taping. She is a big believer in this as well, as you know I am. So if you're not familiar with mouth taping, it's what it sounds like. When you sleep, you basically tape your mouth shut. And you might think this is so weird. Maybe it sounds weird at first, but it's amazing. So I love the Somnifix mouth tape because it's hypoallergenic, specially designed so that it does not hurt when you take it off. It also has a little breathable air vent in the front, so you could breathe a little bit through it. You're definitely not going to suffocate, but this is very useful because it makes us breathe through our noses because breathing through our mouths can actually cause a lot of problems. I have a full blog post on my website about why mouth taping is so great for sleep. Originally, it was meant to help all of these people who snore because 
a lot of people snore because their mouths are just open while they're sleeping. So it can help if that's the cause of your snoring. Also can help if you drool. But later just figured out that this just helps people sleep through the whole night. So for me, this has made it so I can sleep my full eight hours through the night without having to wake up because turns out that when you breathe through your mouth, this can cause you to not stay in your parasympathetic state. So you might enter the sympathetic state and wake up. That spiking cortisol from that can make you wake up versus when you stay in your parasympathetic state by breathing through your nose, it basically keeps your cortisol nice and even throughout the night and you can stay stay asleep throughout the night because when you're waking up during the night, that has a huge impact on your overall health. Not only will you wake up feeling better rested, but just during the day, you will have better focus, memory, better cognitive performance. This also affects immunity. When your mouth is wide open during the night, bacteria can get in there. Not so good. Also just affects your oral health. So we want to protect that. There are so many different benefits. It can even affect athletic performance. So if you want to sleep better, feel better, enhance your life, get some Somnifix mouth tape. You can use the code CRWSLEEP for 15% off. So you can buy through Amazon or go to their website and press whatever the shop button. It'll link you to Amazon. And then you just use that code CRWSLEEP for 15% off. And then you can try it out for yourself. Sometimes it takes some acclimating to get used to. But once you get used to it, it will give you lifelong amazing sleep. So definitely check that out if you're interested in optimizing your sleep. And Elle got into it and she adores it. So, I mean, that's how you know it's real. So that is my little Somnifix spiel. I love them, adore them, and I think that now it's just about time we hop into talking with Eleni and learning all about her, her health journey, and how uh, basically adjusting her diet and lifestyle has really transformed her health. For her, following a ketogenic diet has really, really helped her to heal, and we get more into the specifics of that in the episode. And also how she had to adjust that along the way. So we talk about keto for healing. And I mean, really though, the the meat of this (laughs) is that finding out about breast implant illness was just, I mean, everything to her for healing. And it's been honestly amazing to watch her transformation since having her breast implants removed. It honestly was making me cry when I just, I mean, within a few days, you could notice the difference in her energy and the way she looked. She just had life to her again. And I'm so happy for her that she finally is finding answers and finding healing. So that's a little bit about what you're going to hear about. I think you guys are going to find this super fascinating. And let's just hop into the chat with Eleni. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I have been dying to talk to you because you have such an incredible health journey and you are just a fabulous person. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Christina. I'm very excited to be here. I want you to first introduce yourself to my audience. So tell them a little bit about you. Okay. So my name's Eleni. I'm from Australia. You might have picked that up already. (laughs) Um, I am... 
So we met because I'm on Instagram too. So I'm under the low carb, high fat lifestyle. So the LCHF lifestyle. And um, I guess for me, my journey has been an interesting one because I've had so many health issues over the years. And it wasn't until October last year that I actually figured out what was causing them all. And um, so I had suffered from severe digestive issues and distress that had hospitalized me. I always said twice, but it's actually three times. I um, suffered with weight gain and food intolerances and body aches and so many issues. And um, like a lot of us in that situation, I spent years really cleaning up my diet and trying to fix everything externally to help internally. And then it wasn't until October that I found out that my breast implants were actually the cause for a lot of these. Well, yeah, I'm just going to say it, that for all of these issues um, wow. and making them worse. So I had them, yeah, I've had them removed for two months almost now mm-hmm. and I'm just healing exponentially. So that's kind of yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> that's so exciting, though, that you really did figure out a big, one of the big issues, you know, and you're, you're noticing how much it's giving you a difference. Like, that's very exciting. Uh, it's so exciting that I literally find myself just crying tears of joy at times, oh like just driving to work in the morning and feeling good and then just crying because <laughs> I'm so... I'm so happy. It got really scary towards the end before I took them out that I had no idea where my health, how bad it was going to get. Yeah. So, you know, as they say, as long as you've got your health and when you, when you, and I mean, I know that there's more serious health issues out there, but for me, this was the biggest health crisis I ever had to challenge. Yeah. So to be able to have that gone and I'm healing. Yeah. It brings on tears of joy. Yeah, no, I'm like, I want to cry, like, just when you talk about it, because I have, I mean, I caught on to sort of the end of the journey, I guess, you know, but watching you go through this healing process has been so incredible. And like we were just talking about this morning when, you know, you went on that walk and it makes me emotional because I'm just so happy for you and no one is more deserving than you are because you're just such a light in this world. You know, I adore you. Um, thank you. Yeah. I'm just so happy you figured it out. And I, that's why I wanted to have you on because I feel like your story can inspire so many other people. And I want to like sort of travel back and start way Mm. from the beginning. So, I mean, what was like the, the first health issue you started noticing or symptom? And like, when was that? Was that like the digestive issues or? Yeah. So it's kind of like, if I was to talk about my body pre-implants, so I'm, I put them in in 2010 mm-hmm. when I was 35. So I'd already established a really healthy lifestyle. I kind of had struggled with my weight over the years and I now know why because I just should never have been eating the recommended amount of carbohydrate. I'm insulin resistant and that was never going to work for me. So it took me a lot of effort to keep my, my body in good weight. So I was always in the gym and I was eating pretty healthy food and everything was good. I, at the time I got my implants, I'm about five foot nine, I was about 70 kilos. So that's about 145 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was fit and healthy and really good. And, um, I did have a few, like I said, food 
issues in the sense that I would eat pasta and feel bloated and sick and I'd eat bread and I kind of knew that. And then in the June of 2010, I had the implants and then... Tell me about that, that process. Okay, why so why did you get them? I, yeah. Yeah, great question. So I always had breasts. So I probably most of my life hovered around, say, 70, 75 kilos. I'd have a double D breast size. And then I hurt my ankle and I put on so much weight, Christina, because <laughs> I couldn't exercise mm. for, for almost a year. So I, it was, I could move. There was a bit of movement but not a lot. And I, I ate my feelings okay. and I ended up putting on like 18 kilos. And then I, when I, so my breasts got really large and then I lost all of that weight and a bit more. So I was left with the most saggiest breasts that, and I just, I would lean forward and I was so thin and long and. How did you I lose just, all that weight? Um, just going to the gym. I still was eating a little bit of oats and things like that, but I was probably, um, you know, I was tracking calories, eating about 1500 calories a day. I love exercise. I was constantly training five to seven days a week. I was always moving on weekends. If I didn't go into the gym, I would walk 10 Ks. Like I would walk from one end of Melbourne. I lived in Carlton, you know, across to South Yarra and back again and around the town. So just kept on moving. Um, and I, that's how I lost the weight then. So it was really at, I was 35 years old and it was out of absolute self-love that I wanted to correct my breasts. And I took a lot of effort to find a fantastic surgeon. And I found, and I was adamant I, I was going to only use a plastic surgeon, not a cosmetic surgeon, because I understand the difference in training. The surgeon I chose. Can you explain that difference? Yeah. So a cosmetic surgeon is a a GP, a general practitioner Mm -hmm. who's a doctor who's done about, this is in Australia, done about three months extra study. Okay. And then can call themselves a cosmetic surgeon. A plastic surgeon has studied for six years. Uh, So if you cut your arm off, you want a a plastic surgeon there to be able to re- to put that back on again. So there's always a lot of discussion within that industry because I'm in advertising. So I used to look after uh, cosmetic surgeons and plastic surgeons with their advertising. And um, the cosmetic surgeons would always say, yes, but who would you prefer to go to? A plastic surgeon who only does a couple of breast augmentations a year or a cosmetic surgeon who that's all they do. And the plastic Uh. surgeons would go, who would you prefer to go to? Someone who actually understands the anatomy of everything that goes on around this, on, uh, who studied more, who knows it. This is what we specialise in. And I personally, I'd go for the plastic surgeon. Okay. I think it's more important. So, and my surgeon sits on the board of the Women's Hospital in Australia, in Melbourne. So he's very well recognised. He's one of the best. So... I went along to see him and because I had the saggy skin, I just thought in my own head, I'll fill it up with an implant. And he was like, that's not going to look as good as if we do an implant and a lift. And we cut away all the extra skin. And I said, yep, makes sense. Let's do that. So I booked in for the surgery and he did a beautiful job. Like they looked 
fantastic. I was so, so happy with them. And if anyone's ever had naturally large breasts, they um, they can be a hindrance. Like, you know, you, can, you always have to wear a bra. Mm-hmm. You've always, like... If the phone was ringing in the morning back in the old days where there was landlines <laughs> and you had to run across the house to get it and you hadn't had a bra on, you had to like, I had to hold my chest down and run because <laughs> otherwise it would, feel, it would not be comfortable yeah. at all. <clears throat> and then all of, all of a sudden I've got this new set of breasts and, oh, I didn't have to wear a bra and they, they were just fantastic and I had the bit of side boob and I just thought they looked fantastic. And we kind of laughed because my cosmetic surgeon my sorry my plastic surgeon who I chose his surname which I'm not going to say because he's he's still he's an amazing surgeon despite what you'll hear further down um his uncle delivered me no way yeah so that's so (laughs) funny so one of you delivered me and then you delivered these (laughs) so I love that. Oh my God. So yeah, so I I was so happy with them. And a couple of months after my surgery, I went to Bali with a couple of friends. And um, yeah, and when I was there, I don't know if you've heard that there's a thing you can get. If you drink the water in Bali, you can get Bali belly. Yeah, I've heard of that. And it's, yeah, it's not good. And I got that. And uh, Explain to people so, what that means. It is horrendous diarrhea <laughs> and vomiting, but I refuse to vomit. That's just my stance. I, <laughs> I just don't do it. <laughs> you will not vomit no matter what your body I, wants. I will not vomit. You can go the other way. Yeah. It's not kind. <laughs> Occasionally I have, but I just choose to not vomit. And um, and I had well, it for Wait, but what happens if it's days. coming up? Do you swallow it? I don't, it just, I, I don't know, Christina, I've just got it in my head that it doesn't happen <laughs> and it doesn't happen. I'm dying. So oh. other people vomit and I'm like, occasionally I have, like maybe I can count on one hand how many times I have, yeah. but I just, it's just one of those things. So I had, yeah, extreme diarrhea for 11 days. I'd gone back to Melbourne and I'd gone to see a doctor and my weight actually dropped down to like 68 kilos because I just couldn't eat anything. And, um, and of course, so the doctor said, oh, this should pass. And then I kind of said, oh, it, it kind of hasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed that I started to have some real, um, some food intolerance. Like I just couldn't eat without a lot of things without feeling bloated or feeling sick or having pain in my stomach. So naturally we ran more tests to see if there were parasites or anything because that can definitely happen. And they were all negative. It was always clear. And I guess over time that kind of becomes your new normal. You sort of become gluten-free. You're kind of avoiding things. Some things trigger you, some things don't, and you keep on going. But looking back now, I realise that was the first uh, lot of symptoms of the breast implant illness. Um, because what it does, it can, so for me personally, my body identified them as a foreign object and started to create an autoimmune response to them and digestive issues, uh, hand in hand. So uh, your gut health is completely in line with your, um, your, your autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, obviously, I didn't know that until October last year, but, um, but I continued to follow the 
my gym routine and my diet and everything, but my weight just kept on going up and I couldn't under, and it was slow. It was really slow. In the end, it was, I'd regained that, those 18, almost 19 kilos in six years. And that was exercising all the time and, um, and going and eating well and not being like, you know, like now I'm really stretched because it's, I just get really sick if I don't. Um, but back then I would still have a drink and I'd still what have you. But there was no reason to really explain why my weight was going up so much. So then I went, even though I, I started to be a personal trainer because I thought I live in body, I should learn how to look after it. So, um, but I thought, I'm, you know, I'll go back to training with a trainer and, you know, they put me on their food programs and I would write everything out and we'd be looking at it and I'd, I'd honestly feel like they'd think I was lying. Yeah. Like they're like, are you sure? Because I, my weight wouldn't go down and, and it'd be like, you know, and I'm like, I, I swear this is all I've eaten. This is everything on there. And it'd be like, oh, well, you know, you're probably building muscle or you're probably doing this and, you know, you're still healthy, so that's good. And um, But it would drive me crazy, like absolutely crazy. Um, so it's really funny because I, I kind of look back now trying to really pinpoint everything, but I never thought as I was going through all of these health issues that I would be standing back now seven years later trying to really pin path the process of what happened because when do you ever think you're going to need to do that yeah but I had some really standout health issues oh so the other thing I noticed that was happening Christina is my anxiety was going through the roof and uh and depression and I you know would just like I'd be I'd work and then I'd come home and some weekends you know, I'd kind of you know, meet my usual my group usual of girlfriends for breakfast every Saturday morning and then I would just go home and sit on the couch with the TV on, laying down, just looking at the corner of the TV, not even looking at the TV. I started having anxiety attacks. Like my energy levels were just really just just depleting and I started to notice even in the gym, and this is probably year three or four, that it was probably four years ago that – I would find I would some find days when I would train, train that, that they, they, I would start to exercise and my energy levels would go down rather than going up. So, you know, when you exercise, you release your endorphins and you feel great. And I was noticing that this was happening. So if I didn't stop um, exercising, like say if I was doing um, cardio or anything like that, I would be so sick. I would get sick guaranteed. So I would be like, so I started to learn that. I'm big on listening to my body. So um, I'd, I'd do that. And um, so, and then over time I realised that was happening more often and my ability to actually train properly um, was sort of slipping away from me. And a good friend of mine who was also one of the personal trainers at the gym and she was also my masseuse, um, said, do you notice, she's like, you need to start doing yoga and things like that. So, of course, I chose Bikram yoga. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, do you notice everything that you do is about torturing your body? She's like, you need to um, learn to nurture it. And I'm like, 
okay, I don't know how to do that because <laughs> everything's been um, about, you know, pushing it out in the gym and, uh, you know, pushing those weights and getting on that treadmill and doing, you know, high interval impact training and choose yoga so I go into a 43-degree room to sweat it out yeah. and do this. So I started to try to bring in a bit more mindfulness and I started to meditate and that's to help. Um, at the same time, I was a manager um, at a team of 10 staff. I had like a $14 million budget. It was really stressful. Um, looking back now, I know if I didn't, if I wasn't riddled with the anxiety that came with everything, could I have managed those situations better? And I absolutely think they could have. Um, but I was in so much digestive stress. Like I would literally walk around with my hand pressing against my stomach wow. constantly. That was just my default go-to. And, um, and yeah, like it was one of those times, incidents that I got, I was hospitalised because I was in so much pain one night that I couldn't even lay down, Christina, because the pain was so bad. And I'd taken, and I'm, I was actually, I haven't had one for a while, a migraine sufferer. So I had some pretty strong painkillers and I'd been taking those and I just, I couldn't alleviate this pain. And I got up to go to the bathroom and I fainted from the pain oh and I gosh. face planted into the tiles <gasps> and I live alone. And I just came to, and I was like, right, maybe it's time to go to the hospital yeah. So it was like, I don't know, it was like three o'clock on a Saturday, like Sunday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And I live in a city at the time. And I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll wait a few hours because emergency is going to be full of ice heads and people who are drunk. So I'll just wait here for a bit. And then I, I took myself, I got into a, a taxi and I, I went to the hospital and, um, yeah, they they were like, can you lay down so we can put an IV into you because we need to, to get some blood and we need to do it. I'm like looking at the doctor going, my eyes wide open, I can't lay down. And he's like, we need you to lay down so we can. I go, I, it's too painful. And I lean back and I was screaming from the pain. And they were like, okay, we need to just, we need to get morphine into you. We need to calm you down so we can see what's going on. And after them running tests and things like that, I had an X-ray because it was so early in the morning. If I was to get an ultrasound, I had to wait like another like eight hours for someone to get there to do it. And I was just, I just wanted to go home. I was so exhausted and they'd alleviated the pain. And, um, and I thought I was, I was working with a gastroenterologist at the time trying to identify what was going on with my, my system my digestive system and I thought I'll just go back and see that doctor on next week and I'll figure it out then um so I left the hospital I really wish I did do the ultrasound because I we were never able to identify what which of my organs were so inflamed yeah that I was so sick and so the doctor though was standing over me at the time going you need to understand 
you can't drink coffee, you can't drink alcohol, you can't do any of these things, your body cannot handle it. Like you need to get off all of those things. And I was like, no problem. <laughs> like the last thing I ever wanted to feel was this again in my life. Anyway, so I left there. And I went and saw the gastroenterologist and we started to proceed to do more invasive um, testing, like an endoscopy. We did um, a, um, we checked my gallbladder, bladder. we did all these other tests and everything came back negative. And I don't know, you might understand this, Christina, you know, when you're just, you're searching for answers in your body and you're praying that, it comes that one up of positive. the tests they do yeah. comes up positive. Yeah. So you can finally have an answer and start to heal your body. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing ever to the point that at the end, my gastroenterologist said to me, um, I think your tummy's sad and I recommend an antidepressant. Oh, my God. It makes me I know. so upset. It is. It's ridiculous. Like, seriously. But I was so desperate for some kind of diagnosis that I walked out of there with the script. Mm-hmm. I I was a riddled mess of anxiety by this stage. Like it was hideous. And I I got this I I got the um, medication and I took it once, one day. Not even like twice, just one tablet in one day. And admittedly it was a Sunday, like everything was this hazy, dreamy kind of, it really affected me in a certain way. I remember I went to the movies and saw a movie and went, oh, I saw Boyhood. I was like, oh, this is kind of crazy. But then I realised this isn't emotional. Health issues are not an emotional issue. There is something physically wrong with my body. So I called him back the next day. I stopped the medication and I said, would stress cause these issues and he said yeah they would are you stressed I don't know there's a question you could have asked me months ago yeah and I said yes I am actually I'm very stressed I have a very stressful job and he said yep they could they could absolutely cause all these issues so I hung up from him and I picked up the phone and I called my HR department at work and I said I am my doctor just told me all my health issues are stress I'm no, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm taking a few weeks mm-hmm. and I need to heal my body. And Damn. I hung up the phone and I picked up the other one and I put myself back on a plane back to Bali Yeah, because <laughs> it's very easy and cheap to get to Bali in Australia. And I sat by a pool for two weeks and I realised that my health is the most important thing. So I chose to quit my job um, and to find, uh, I was going to quit my job, find a less stressful job. So I was going to leave management and I was, um, took the resources from work where I went to speak to a psychologist and I really proactively started to implement things into my life that, and for me at that time, my focus was around my adrenal issues, my, my stress and anxiety. And then also from that, heal my digestive issues I'm so okay no like I just need to stop you because I'm in such awe of you (laughs) because 
I mean, you explain this and you make it sound so easy. It's like as soon as you hear that this could be stress-related and you realize, okay, stress is a big contributing factor, you're just like, all right, screw this. I'm quitting my job. And that takes major courage. Like I know for me when I knew that stress was – I mean, still to this day, I know that stress affects me and stress was a huge factor for me. But it took – like it was me kicking and screaming and people forcing me to let go of things before I would let go. And you were just like – I am quitting. Like, was that, was it really that easy for you? No, it was, it wasn't that it was easy. They were big decisions to make, but they were easy because I was so sick. I was so Mm -hmm. sick all the time. And I tried so many things that it was like, well, this is just the, I need to do this. I can't, this isn't living. I'm existing, you know? And I was like, I I just, I need to do it. Because you, if we, like it's, that was going for about two, three years, two years of trying to find answers and progressively getting worse. Did you, so, did you have sorry. anyone, did you have anyone like supporting you? I do. I've got great friends and things like that. But again, even at times that would get difficult too, because I, I couldn't, I knew the drinking would affect me. Like I remember two weeks after coming out of hospital with the doctor standing over me saying, you can't drink, you can't do this, whatever. I was at a friend's 40th birthday and another friend of mine, thinking she's doing the right thing, was holding my hand going, come on, babe, just have a drink. Come on, let's have fun. And I'm like, flicked her hands off me and went after she had been at me for like so long and said, do you understand? I was in hospital two weeks ago. I can't do this. I can't. I will be like, I was just starting. Like, I was like, I will be so sick. Like I was, I fainted from the pain. Like that's how sick I was. And I just thought I, and then I kind of would step back and think, I get that that she's doing that because she wants me to feel that they want me to be like, it's a part of being there. But I just, I just, I couldn't do it. And I've had issues over the years of and this healing process of when I do say no to certain things, like I just want to say, don't worry what's in my glass or what's on my plate. Let's just catch up. Like, don't worry about that because it's got nothing to do with who I am in this moment. Like I can still have fun so long as I I can put what I like on in my glass and on my plate to make myself feel good. So there were pressures, but there was still you know, support. But then also I know looking back now is kind of withdrawing a bit socially as well. Mm-hmm. And I look and crazily too, my boyfriend at the time uh, was a very heavy drinker. Oh. So, and, um, but I wouldn't always drink with him. Uh, so crazy enough. But anyway, I, I ended up breaking up with him because his drinking would lead to some pretty uh, terrible verbal behavior with me. So I was like, you got to go. And I think while I was healing from that breakup, cause I'm quite, yeah, I was kind of high-fiving myself walking out the door of that relationship. I mean, I was at that stage, I was, cause I was drinking more often than I would have liked to because he drank all the time. Mm-hmm. And my body at the time was just, I, 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 like I said, the anxiety was there. My weight gain was at its highest. I just felt inflammation everywhere. Um, and when he left, I was like, okay, when I we parted, 
I started just before we broke up, I ran into a friend of mine and she looked fantastic. And I said, what have you been doing? And she's like, LCHF. And I'm like, what's that? And she's like, low carb, high fat. And I, at that stage, I was low carb, but I was also low fat. And I'm like, tell me all about it. I dived into the research and I started doing it. And I noticed that when I did that and I ate that way, I felt really good and my anxiety was under control. And when I didn't, I didn't feel good at all. So I remember... Um, wait, so, I was, wait, wait. Bef- so before that... Were you um, low-fat, low-carb, or you were low-fat and and low-carb? Yeah. And so were you high-protein or were you just low-calorie? I was just like, um, I was high-protein. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so I was eating, say, it was low-carb but not as low-carb as what it is now. So I would have, like, some oats for breakfast with mm-hmm. some yogurt and I would have uh, a salad for lunch, but with maybe quinoa or chickpeas in there. Okay. So it was lower carb but not low carb like it is now. Okay. So then you and switched over to low carb, high fat. Yeah, really up my fat. Obviously now that we know that we are fat heads yeah. and our brain <laughs> is made up. But my body just, I think, my brain loved getting that fat you know, and feeding my brain. And I noticed the foggy thinking would clear away. And uh, I kind of, though, because I was still seeing my ex-boyfriend at the time and I had one foot in the door, one foot out. So it was kind of a few days a week I'd be on point and others I wouldn't. And and it wasn't until the third time, I remember the date, it was my niece's birthday. It was the 13th of August in 2016. And I had another anxiety attack while I was going for a walk. So... Um, so those who know Melbourne in Australia, I was down at the back of Fed Square and I couldn't breathe and I fell to my knees. And again, I was on my own and I had the, I was having the anxiety attack and I came to, I regained my posture. Like, you know, I came back again when it finished and sorry. And I just thought, I, I never want to go through this again. Like what? That's so scary. What? It's very scary. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible to have an anxiety attack. And I just sat there and I was looking out at the Yarra River and I just thought, okay, that's it. Like, you know you feel better when you don't eat all those things and you don't drink and you don't have those things. So I thought, stuff it. I, I'm going 100% here. And I don't care if I'm sitting at dinner with people or it feels antisocial that I'm not having a drink. I can't do it anymore. And I think a lot of people thought I was just doing it for weight loss, and it wasn't. Weight loss was the byproduct. My main driver was to help my anxiety and just to feel good. Like, I just want to feel good. I'm like, what, I'm 30, 40 years old. Like, I should not. I'm not old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I, um, I work so hard at being healthy. And although I didn't lose a lot of weight quickly, um, my inflammation, I started to shrink. But the best thing was, is that anxiety was under control. I had clear thinking, the foggy, you know, that foggy thinking was gone. And um, yeah, I started to come good. I lost 12 kilos. That's amazing. Well, do you remember how long it took for you? So you're saying that the anxiety left and you lost 12 kilos. 
after you cut out the alcohol, you cut out, what else did you get rid of? So I completely just adopted that low carb, high fat lifestyle, almost a ketogenic okay. at the start. Okay. Um, at that stage, I was eating dairy, uh-huh. and uh, but I'd cut out I'd cut out bread and pasta a long time ago, but I on a regular basis. But I completely cut out that and rice, all of those processed and refined carbohydrates. Completely cut out sugar. Completely. Um, cut out all the starchy veggies mm-hmm. and I was probably very low carb then I was eating under 20 grams of total carbs a day and uh so that's changed a lot yeah if anyone follows me now they know how different that is today and how much fat when you're saying you're high fat I was eating 70 percent of my diet okay 70 to 80 percent was fat uh so and then say 20% protein and 10% carbohydrate. So I, um, I was kind of going well with that, but I would notice that more people were losing more than me. Like, and, you know, that can get in your head, but I just said, but, you know, I'm feeling better and I am losing. And, you know, I think by a year I'd lost the 12, no, I'd actually lost 14 kilos. But then what I noticed was happening was my weight was creeping back up again. Okay. Despite the fact that everything was the same. And I was like, okay, what's what's going on here? So then I started fasting. And I actually started fasting in 2011 because I worked for a genetics company. And one of the geneticists there, Graham, um, he specialized in longevity in, in the elderly. And he was the one who introduced me to fasting. So I was doing 20-hour fasts back then a couple of times a week. But I was a carb burner back then not a fat burner. So that was a little bit hard. That would be really hard. So, yeah, but I, I did it. And um, so when I did it as a fat burner, I found it so easy. So I'd gone from 16-8 to 18-hour fast to 20 to 24-hour fasts a week to um, monthly five-day fasts. And I thought I felt great. And I got my weight back down to, say, 76 kilos. And um, But every time I would do a five-day fast, anything I'd lost, I'd regain again and it was like so I'd be kind of mindful to make sure that I wasn't overeating that I was always eating I'm you know I don't eat what I call keto junk food I I'm totally it's all about nutrient dense I'd only stick to vegetables and good foods uh, sources and before I knew it I'd gone from 76 kilos back up to 84 85 kilos 86 kilos and I was like what is going on? And then I realized that the fasting had re-triggered my adrenal issues because Mm. fasting is not good. If you've got stress in your body already, although fasting is a good stress, it isn't when you have stress in your body. So Mm. I did some more research around that because you don't really hear that side of it through this thing. Like all you hear is how fantastic fasting is yeah and I am now the voice that says actually it is great but not for everybody yeah and no it's not one, just women yeah it's go on sorry no I'm really glad you're talking about this because this is like all we see in the media are just all the benefits and first of all people aren't realizing that most of the research is just done on men you know and it's yeah. in this smaller context we're so different as women also like what is the terrain that like what is the environment you're in? like if you are in a stressed out state 
and you're adding more stress, that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's such, it's so not a good idea. It's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. And I see people putting posts, oh, I'm doing a blah, blah, blah. And I used to do it, doing a 120-hour fast. Oh, my gosh. You know, and I see it now and I'm just like, that's great. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> I had to stop fasting and it's not because I couldn't do it. Oh man, I could do it. I would joke that I could do a 24 hour fast holding a piece of bacon. Like I just, no problem, like easy. Um, But I noticed the anxiety was coming back. But because I wasn't listening to my, you know, there's one thing to listen to your body, but to listen to it without any um, prejudice or intention, like I was only listening out for the things, the positive things that I knew the fasting would deliver me. Yeah. Clear thinking, good energy, da-da-da-da-da. I wasn't listening to the fact that my jaw was clenching. My insides were racing. Mm. Um, I noticed my fight-or-flight senses were off. Like, you know, I'd be driving and if someone was trying to get in front of me on the road, I I would jump. And it was like oh, how did I miss all of that? Yeah. And that was going on. So I stopped the fasting. Weight went back up again, um, even when I was doing the fasting. I, um, my fatigue started to get quite bad and my muscles were really starting to ache and my joints and my hip bone. So this now we're coming into 2017. And then... In October 2017, I um, I got on a plane and went to Queensland to go to the Low Carb Conference, which was fantastic. And on the way there, there was a woman sitting behind me coughing the whole way. And I was cursing her thinking, if I get sick, yeah. woman in row seven, <laughs> in seven, seat 7B, seven I'm after you, right? I remember. Yeah. And... Um, and I was fine there, and um, but I was travelling with my friend Sarah, who's from Queensland. She met me there, and like she actually witnessed something. When I don't eat breakfast, if I if I don't eat when I need to, I just crash. And I was like, and she saw it one morning. I didn't eat enough, and I was like this shaking mess, and really, really terrible. And she's like, I geez, I had no idea this is when you say you were crashing, this is what you look like. And sometimes it's not until you see yourself through somebody else's eyes that you realize probably this, this, this actually isn't normal. This, this is not happening. This doesn't happen to other people. Yeah. Anyway, by the time I got back, I got a cold and I could not kick this cold. Like I took seven days off work. I had like 14, like I was just constantly resting and mum's like, oh, it's now in the third week and mum's like, can you please go to the doctors? Yeah. Okay. You could have a chest infection. I'm like, it's a virus. Like, she's like, just go. And I thought, all right, well, if I'm going to go, I did want to check my thyroid panel. There was a few, because of this fatigue, I thought maybe I should check all of that. Oh, that's, that's a whole ordeal within itself. Yeah. So going to the doctor, so I had this list and I said, I want to check my gut biome and everything. And my doctor's like, oh, okay, I, I, I need to take notes. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> and I said, this is what I want to check for my thyroid and listed the blood test that I wanted. And he said, oh, well, we don't do the reverse T3 and we don't do the antibodies. 
And I had to negotiate Ugh. with my doctor. It pisses and then me said, off how they say how oh. they do that shit. I mean, I can't even. I can't, don't even get me started. You have to like I, it's, bribe them. I swear. <laughs> I know. I seriously did. I had to negotiate mm-hmm. with my doctor, who in the end he said, "Oh, look, let's just start with the normal panel, and then if we need to, we'll go and do the other stuff." And like, I walked out of there and said, "Okay." Then I got into the car and I went. No. And I called him back and I said, Mark, because I call him by his first name. He lost his title of doctor. <laughs> I, said, <clears throat> I love that. I said, Mark, this is my body. I will pay for the test. Yeah. Please add them to the test. I'm coming in in the morning for the blood test. Please just add them. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, I'm happy for you to pay for any test that you want to get. Okay. That's fine. He goes, I'll, I'll do that. Fabulous. He better. So I get it done, get my results, and sure enough, if I hadn't got the antibodies, I would never have seen what was going on because my T3 and T4, they were, they were actually, okay, a bit low but not too bad, but my antibodies say they should be nine. They were 394. Oh, my right. gosh. And and Mark said, but, you know, you're – your thyroid's okay. I go, but my, my body's attacking my thyroid. And he's like, well, but it's okay now. And I'm like, yeah, but what, what are you suggesting that I just sit back and wait for my body to destroy my thyroid yeah. and then come back to you and get onto medication? And he's like, I said, that's not an option for me. Oh my I said, thyroid issues start from the gut. I've obviously got leaky gut and something going on in there. So at that stage, I'm still thinking, okay, because I knew my body was fighting something for a long time. I just didn't know what it was. Like something inside of me knew, like from that moment when I said, this is not an emotional issue, that my body is fighting something. And I kept on doing research and I got to the place where I thought it was probably a bacteria in my gut Mm -hmm. or something like that. So I got my results. I organized to see an um, integrative, which is like a functional doctor here in Australia. And my goal was to go in and find out what's happening in my gut, heal my Hashimoto's and, you know, get on with life. Maybe that's what's been undiagnosed in the background of my health issues for all this time. Did he diagnose you? With Hashimoto's? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he did. Okay. So he, no, well, hang on. <laughs> no, he said to me, no, he didn't actually. He said, to, I diagnosed myself just looking at those yeah. results. He said, I'm not a specialist in this. I would recommend you go to an endocrinologist. Oh and I said, no, because they just focus on one aspect of the body yeah. where I don't know, I kind of believe the whole body's connected. Yeah. <laughs> so Crazy, I'm going right? To, so I'm going to go to my integrative doctor and get this sorted out. And he was so funny, Christine. He looks at me and he goes, oh, this is, please let me know how you go with this. This is really interesting. And I'm like, no problem. <clears throat> and also at the time I had my results for my cholesterol were quite high, but my triglycerides were very low. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, and, I, and I said, look, I don't. I said, are you concerned? Because I'm not. And he <laughs> said, um, <clears throat> and he said, well, it is quite high, and he, saw, he spoke to the um, biochemist. So I said, let's do a subfraction test to see the size of the particles. Yeah. 
right? And it came back that I was type A, which is the lowest risk of heart disease. I said, okay. You but showed seriously, him. Well, isn't it crazy that we have to be our own doctors? Like, yeah, we're well, so, like I'm so researched. I mean, as you, this whole store, like your whole health journey, I just keep thinking it's like, if you weren't, well, first of all, just as smart as you are, but also just like as sort of ballsy as you are, like you are not afraid to be your own health advocate and kind of tell doctors, you know, it's like if you were just somebody who just kind of like listened to the doctor and like waited for someone to come save you, you, I, you would not probably be here. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's, yeah. it scares the shit out of me because you had to like go out of your way to like fight hard for yourself to get anyone to even listen to you and they barely even listen to you. And it's like, if you weren't the type of person who went after it, like God only knows. And I feel like this is, I mean, it's so unfortunate because this is why so many people suffer because they don't, you know, they can't put themselves forward to be their own advocate enough. And it's just sad that you have to do that, you know, that our system is so messed up. It's crazy. And it is true. And thank you because I, you kind of just have to back yourself. Yeah. Because to me, like, I just, like, I see it happen all the time where it's like, oh, okay, you have this now. Here's your prescription mm-hmm. and you take that. And you're on medication for the rest of your life now. And it's like, okay, that's one option. What's the other option? Yeah. Like, surely this is, there's another choice here, which doesn't mean I'm on medication with a yeah. hundred other side effects. Yeah. No. But you're so no, smart. Crazy. Most people don't even think to ever question what they're told by a doctor because it's a doctor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but we need to start learning that we can be just as educated as anyone else. And we have to, like, learn to question other people, I think. Absolutely. And also because we're so lucky now that you just need to – and it's not that you <clears> – <throat> diagnose yourself via Google and, you know, mm-hmm. do a Google search. But we can access white papers. We can read the research. Yeah. We can do all of these things. And I'm sorry, but I guess when my body was breaking down as much as it was, I was prepared to do that and to look outside to find out what's going on because no doctor helped me. Mm-hmm. I paid thousands of dollars. I saw so many specialists and not one of them could help me for let's well what was the final diagnosis with my gastroenterologist take a mind-altering drug yeah to heal your gut like seriously incredible stuff so i haven't even got to the part (laughs) of people thinking you're mad yeah when you realize what's going on so i got the hashimoto diagnosis properly from my uh integrative doctor and can you just in case I, someone's in case someone's listening and they're like, "What's Hashimoto's?" Can you say what Hashimoto's is? Yeah. So what it is, it's probably the pre stages of a, well, it's thyroid issues, mm-hmm. and it means it's I'm hypo. So there's hyper, which is Graves' disease, and hypo, which is um, Hashimoto's, and it's your um, your body attacking your thyroid, pretty much, and destroying it there. So the side effects are hair loss and um, fatigue, uh, weight gain all the things that I was suffering from. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made sense that mm-hmm. I had this. So when I put it onto Instagram that it was my diagnosis was Hashimoto's, you know, everyone was great. But one of my friends who I used to work with reached out to me and said, do you still have your implants? And I said, yeah, I do. And she went on to tell me her story. 
She'd had hers for 14 years. Mm-hmm. And like me, she was in and out of doctors for years. And <clears throat> where I gained weight, she couldn't. Like she sort of put on, she couldn't gain muscle. She couldn't do anything. Her hair was falling out in clumps. Um, she, she had her thyroid checked and it said no. She could not get a diagnosis. People, she was offered antidepressants. She was told, made to feel that it was <clears throat> her issue, a mental issue as well. Mm-hmm. And she had hers removed. She had had an explant and she had seen her health improve. And she explained to me that the reason she found out it was her implants was because her boyfriend at the time, his mother, had suffered with... So she'd originally, back in the, I think it was the the 80s, had her breasts done because she had a double mastectomy and had them done. And her health issues were incredible. She's written a book called The Boob Trap. And she was able to explain to my friend all of that. She, and this is the sad thing, it's because I would never have known if a friend didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm so grateful that I can sit here and tell you, my friend, and all your friends, because this is how this information gets out and how we save women, because yeah. no one is talking about breast implant illness. In fact, it's an illness that doesn't exist, apparently. But I'm recovering really well from something that doesn't exist. Yeah. So... As soon as she told me, it made sense. But I was still a little bit, this is a big thing to do. Yeah. So she recommended that I join a private Facebook group called um, Breast Implant Illness and Healing by Nicole. And I recommend anybody out there who feels that they could potentially um, have this issue that they go and join this group. Or if you're considering implants, and you're wondering what this other side is all about, go and have a look. And it wasn't until I got in there, and at that stage there was 26,000 followers, now it's over 30,000, I started to realise that my symptoms were not my own. That's when I started to connect all those years back, which I thought was the barley belly. It wasn't. They were my first symptoms of breast implant illness and my body creating an autoimmune response. So why were the tests coming up negative? Because we don't check an implant as an organ. Yeah. My body was fighting that. It wasn't fighting. It wasn't until years later that it started to attack my organs. And the other thing is that's when I found out the reason I kept on storing body fat is because that's the body's fat absorbs toxic toxins. And I needed it. That's why it wouldn't matter what I ate or how much I exercised, my body would convert. I could eat a 1,000 calories a day and it will convert it to fat because its priority was to protect my brain and my organs. Mm-hmm. So when I was fasting and my body had no choice but to drop the weight, that's what triggered the Hashimoto's because there was nothing to protect my thyroid. Gotcha. So crazy, Yeah. So that's why you sometimes just have to trust your body and realize it's doing something for a reason. Yeah. Don't try and outsmart it. Just try and understand why. Well, so, and how, how incredible that you have pieced this together for yourself because no doctor would ever piece that together for you. I'm sorry. They just doctors like still deny yeah. that. So 
So even when I was going back to Mark, my doctor, and I had now made the decision that this was breast implant illness, and I said to him, I think I'm suffering. I'm consider. I'm probably going to get my implants removed. I think it's a problem. And he was like, oh, um, I didn't, well, I didn't even realise you had them. And I just thought, you know, I want to live in a world where if you're going to the doctors and you're symptomatic of an autoimmune disease, maybe ask the question, is there any foreign objects in your body? Yeah. Because even if it's a breast implant or it's an IUD or something like that, your body could be attacking that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be your organs. It doesn't just have to be implants. So anyway, I, he, so there was that, when I asked my um, Dr. Suze, my actual uh, integrative doctor, I said, I'm prob- I think I want to get my breast implants removed. He just looked up at me and said, that would be wise. And, uh, and it's so interesting. Christina, Why did he when not you get tell you that this, before? This is such a interesting space to step into yeah so I sent an email to my implanting surgeon so I could find out what device was put into me because my friend who had told me about this told me that the device that was put into her were not the ones she paid for right mm-hmm. how freaky is that that's so scary. so so scary so I just also wanted to understand what was in because I wanted to do some research around the ingredients that were actually in my implants Anyway, my, they sent me that email. They told me what was in there. And I thought, mm, I'm just going to send an email back and say, this is what's been going on with my health and just see what my implanting surgeon thinks about breast implant illness. Now, in this, I covered off some of my symptoms, but I included the fact that I was suffering extreme pain in my breasts. I had a burning sensation across my nipples and under the skin. I had sharp pain shooting from my lymph nodes through to my breasts and very painful lymph nodes. So that was a part of some of my symptoms, as well as fatigue, hair loss, body aches, and all the other stuff. The response from his, um, the practice manager was, um, I won't say his name, says that there is nothing to worry about, that breast implant illness is a term propagated by American lawyers. Silicon is one of the safest things you can use in the body, and in fact, it is created derived from silica, which is not natural for sand. Okay, I was embarrassed. I thought, wow, that's a joke. Yeah. This boils my that. blood. This boils my blood. Oh, well, how about this? The fact that I had said to my surgeon, I had was suffer- suffering extreme pain in my breast. Mm-hmm. He didn't even say come in for a checkup. Yeah. No, it's hello horrible. Like this was this was late last year, so it's already been announced that there is a cancer that is associated to breast implants that affects the lymph nodes and the lymph, lymphatic system. I, I talked about pains in my breast that could have been con- contracted, like in my my breast. He didn't say come in and let's have a look. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best. One of the best in Australia. Yeah. And I was like, this is scary. So I thought, and I just said, thank you. I will can take this into consideration as I do more research. So that I'm not going to have an argument here. Yeah. And um, what's the point? I don't need your permission to tell me that this is a thing or not. Because as I've done more research, 
I could never find out what's in my implants because of the Trade Secrets Act. The implanting industry does not need to disclose the ingredients that they use to make the implants. (laughs) The only reason we know why some of the ingredients they use is because when I think it was Dale Corning got sued all those years ago and they were withdrawn off the market, um, they were subpoenaed to show their ingredients. That list, I can send it to you, is frightening. There are so many of those ingredients that are neurotoxins. There, There's like they use platinum salt in there. There's like some of the most just, just toxic ingredients are placed in them and put into my body and women, we don't know this. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying every woman gets sick because we can't because there's no research because that's the other thing my doctor said. He said, oh, well, there's and there's no research to prove that there is a problem here. Jesus. Scratch that surface like, a little bit deeper. Oh, my God. Do you know why there's no, re- there's no proof? Because there's no research. So... In my opinion, what the industry does is they focus on ruptures and they focus on the breaking of the device. But they have never, so even my explanting surgeon, and I will say his name because he's brilliant, Dr. Mansour in Melbourne, he's a microplastic surgeon because, and I specifically, well, he was Sasha's um, surgeon as well, my friend who had told me about the breast implant illness. But I chose him because what happens is, when you get an explant, it's a very detailed procedure and you need to do it properly. It's not just cutting you open and taking it out. You, the body forms a capsule around the implant. So we have to remove the capsule as well. Otherwise, you can still be sick. Wow. So he said when he was in there, like my surgery was five hours long because the, the capsule was, so, it was like paper thin for him to remove all of it. He got 100% of it out of me. Wow. And... Um, I said to him before the surgery, I would like to send my capsule and my implants to be tested to find out that whatever's in my implant is was in my skin, my capsule. And we both researched to find a lab anywhere around the world to do this, and we could not find one lab who would touch this. <gasps> wow. They wouldn't do it. The only thing they would test was to see if there was any bacteria or cancer cells or anything like that, but nothing outside of that. Like, I cannot God. find out. Like, you can't. Yeah. It's crazy. So, anyway, I, um, I got the explant. And for those who want to see, maybe I'll give you the photos and you could potentially um, put them up with this podcast. But I took a photo of my face the morning of my surgery. Mm-hmm. And I took a photo of my face the day, next day. So, and around the same time. So one before surgery, one after, and it was a five-hour surgery. Pretty, pretty intense. And you should see the difference in my face. So all the red inflammation. So I followed an autoimmune protocol for over 30 days to prep my body for surgery. I was taking supplements and everything to support my body. There is no reason I should have had that much inflammation in my body because there was certainly nothing I was eating Mm -hmm. that could have triggered that. My eyes are so bloodshot, like they're ridiculous. The next day, my skin tone is clear and my eyes are clear. And when I saw those fo- that photo and the difference, 
I just broke down in tears because just to give you an idea, before the surgery, my health had declined so much that I would literally just wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed. I had to conserve all my energy just to not lose my job. I actually would have to sleep at work. I couldn't get through the day. And they would, my team, I work with amazing people. They're so supportive that I would literally go off to sick bay and lay there and sleep and then go back. And some days I'd get through the day and some days I wouldn't. And my birthday was, is January the 15th and my surgery was on the 19th. And that day I took the day off and um, <clears throat> my body had got to the stage where there was so much physical pain that... <clears throat> Sorry, I would, um, I, if I had to be, I was, it would say, say to me, like, you need to lay down. And if I didn't lay down, I would get really sick. And that day, um, I got that thing to, I'm like, I need to have a rest. But then some friends dropped in to have a coffee with me for my birthday, a cup of tea. So I sat up with them and then my brother and sister and my sister-in-law came over and we went across the road, literally across the road, to go and see a movie. We saw Jumanji, very funny. <laughs> But because I didn't have that rest, I was sitting in the movie and my body was just, you know, when your arm rolls out because you've got no energy, like I couldn't even hold my hand, like it was just rolling out. And then I went to stand up at the end of the movie and every muscle in my body had seized up, that it was so, I was in so much pain that I had a tear rolling out of my eyes and I looked at my sister and I said, I'm just going to go straight home. Mm-hmm. And I was in so much physical pain, I was crying behind my sunglasses. And my auntie just happened to be leaving our house. Uh, the dri- I saw her in the driveway. And she just looked at me and started crying. And she's like, are you okay? Like, happy birthday. And I'm like, I'm really not okay. I need to go lay down. And I just lay down and I said to mum, can you please get me some painkillers? And I just drank. I said, I need to lay down. And I just slept and I cried and it was this and I was just willing I was like this has to be over like what's next like I don't know what else I can do I can't take anything else out of my diet I can't stop doing any like I've got I'm not I'm not doing anything and I'm getting worse this is getting worse like I have no idea so when I was in hospital and I saw that photo I just started crying because I knew in my heart, sorry, I'm getting emotional. No, I'm, I really appreciate this, you sharing this. That this was over. That my body was going to stop being destroyed. It was over. Immediately. Literally. Like, I've still got the Hashimoto's to heal, and I'm going in for blood tests next week, so I'll be over two months to see what my antibodies are doing. I've had identified with my integrative doctor that I had a bacteria in my large intestine that had to go. Plus I depleted two good bacteria in my gut that I had to replenish, which I've done that now. But, sorry, I, I no longer have the debilitating fatigue or the muscle ache or the joint pain, like the back of my hands used to be so sore. My, my left hip joint was so painful that I couldn't sleep on it. That's all gone. The ringing in my ears is gone. My vision is improving. Um, there's so many symptoms. I'm so glad I wrote them out because I, the brain is like we're so amazing at forgetting certain things. Like we forget the horrible things that happen to us. So 
I read this list now and I'm like, I totally forgot I had that. And it's only been two months. Mm -hmm. Now I still get flare ups and I had one this week and I've noticed it's around my cycle whenever I think it's just get too much on my body at this stage. But I just feel like shit. I don't feel like death. Yeah. Like I used to feel like death. So I just get my fatigue comes back um, and my limbs get a bit sore. But I can I can fix that with by soaking in a magnesium bath now and going to bed. And I woke up great this morning. I had nine hours sleep and I feel good again. So I'm healing. And there's something very different about when you suffer fatigue because you're in a body that's being destroyed and when you're suffering fatigue from a body that's healing. Mm-hmm. I'll take the healing any day. It's a different kind of fatigue. Yeah. So you still it god i mean it hits me hard like i mean it's taking everything in me not to cry and like i think this will it's just eye-opening for so many people and you have such a success story like i'm so happy you figured this out and i know everything's not perfect now but like you're still so early on in the healing process you know and I remember mm. when you posted those pictures right after your surgery. I mean, it's remarkable. It's really incredible. Yeah. Um, and just, I'm so happy that you are the type of per- like you have such a voice, and the fact that you are kind of out there and starting to tell people about this. I mean, this was some. You know, when you told me about this, I was like, I've never heard of that. I need you to help me get the word mm. out, right? Um, yeah. I have a few questions, so. Well, first of all, okay, if somebody's listening to this and they feel like they might be struggling with it, what would you suggest they they do? Or I mean, the other thing I was thinking about was what's hard about this is I'm imagining maybe someone's listening and wondering and they're like, well, what are the symptoms of breast implant illness? Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like it's like it could be anything, anything weird with your health, yeah. right? It, it kind of does. And this is where it's a trap because the, your symptoms are the same of so many other illnesses and problems. So you can kind of go to a doctor and they'll write it off as something else. Mm-hmm. So they're great questions. And I think this is what it's all about. You need to go and find yourself the right information. So I always tell anyone who reaches out to me is one, trust yourself that you know that something's wrong. Now, this may or may not be your problem. Mm-hmm. But if you're symptomatic and you can't find answers, then there's probably a very good chance that this is what's happening for you as well. So go and join the Facebook group. Now, it is, it's, Nicole's group is in America, but it's international. Mm-hmm. So it is a private Facebook group. So it's the Breast Implant Illness and Healing by Nicole. You need to answer a few questions because she protects the group. Mm-hmm. because there are people, I have seen them who come in and say, oh, well, I've got my breast implants. My doctor told me I had the good ones. You girls are all crazy. <sighs> yeah. See you, bye-bye. Yeah. You're gone, right? You're not our audience. You, you, I speak to a particular audience about this. Like my best best friend has implants and she's fine. I don't ever want to believe in my heart of hearts that every woman has a ticking time bomb inside of them. Mm-hmm. I just never want to believe that. But the truth is, is we don't know because there's no research. We don't even know what's inside of them. Mm-hmm. Our doctors don't know what's inside of them. No one does. Yeah. So go and do that. Go and have a look at 
peop- read the peop- other people's stories. Like I said, it was in that moment I realised my symptoms are not my own. There you will, there you will find there's a list of symptoms. So if you search breast implant illness symptoms, it'll bring it up. There's about 50 of them that we all really share. But if you're starting to get autoimmune disease, and unfortunately, when you get one autoimmune disease, you're three times more likely to get another. Mm-hmm. So you really need to get on top of this because it is the destruction of your body. So you'll also find out the right way to do it. I'll have a list of doctors. Anyone can reach out to me. Um, but that's really the right, safest place. There, unfortunately, is not one test you can take. There is not one doctor that you'll go see. Even my explanting surgeon, who's fantastic, still can't say that this exists. Yeah. But he can say that he's getting more women requesting this surgery, the procedure, and he's saying, he said to me, every woman who had Hashimoto's who he's explanted, it's gone away. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> and it's a risk. Like I had to make a decision. So just to give you an idea the money I've spent – getting my implants, taking them out and seeing every doctor, physio, specialist, medication, everything, you're talking in excess of $50,000 in seven years that I've spent. Now, people save money to get their 10 grand together to get the implants. That could just be the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. So you really need to understand that if you're going to have implants, Take the FDA's caution, like their advice is to get them changed every 10 years. They are not a lifetime device. Someone told me, I don't know if this is true, that Dolly Parton gets hers changed every two years. Mm. So she doesn't get sick. Now, not all of us can afford that. (laughs) Before the capsule forms, she gets them out. So... You have to understand it's not about getting them done and walking away and there's for life. As they, What I am seeing is the longer that they're in, the women who are in these groups, some of them have had them for 20 or 30 years. They're so sick. They can't be there for their babies. They can't be there for their family. Like my friend Mel, who's about to explant in, in May, she's got children that, you know, we were talking the other night and she just started crying because I said, I'm not. I realised I'm not angry and I don't know why. And I think it's just because I'm still so happy that I feel better and I figured it out. I'm just still in that phase. I haven't got to anger yet. And she said, oh, no, I'm angry. I said, okay, why? And she's like, because I don't have the energy to go to the park with my children. My husband does that. They are thinking that mum is sick all the time. That's their reality. That's what they think. And it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. and you think of something like that, it's so sad. And to think all she needs to do now is get them taken out, and that could potentially change overnight for her just like it did for me. But I, here's yeah. this crazy thing. There's, we're, we're recovering from an illness that's not recognised and doesn't exist. We have to self-diagnose and make the decision ourselves to back ourselves and do it. Mm-hmm. I kind of said, Mum said, what if you do it and you're still sick? I said, well, it couldn't possibly hurt to remove two foreign objects from my body. Yeah. So clearly that, so at least that, that will help take the pressure off my body so maybe I can heal the other things that are going wrong. Um, And then now that I'm in this healing phase, Christina, there's no protocol. Yeah. There's no 
advice to say, you've been exposed to this. This is what you need to do to clear you because no one wants to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, hey, uh, we've seen from the research, if you did six weeks of chelation therapy, you'll be better. No. Yeah, you're in foreign territory. So, again, it's the research. So I'm doing the Epsom salt baths and the dry brushes and I'm taking the Celgevity and you want to hear what's – you are oh, seriously, I've got to tell you guys this. So the crap that's been coming out of my underarms from my detox. So one thing that's really quite sore is still my lymph nodes. Uh-huh. Uh, like I said, I'm taking the Celgevity, which increases my glutathione to help me detox. So within the first few weeks um, – something was coming out of my armpits that turned my armpits black. It burnt my skin. Oh, my God. And I don't use deodorant that's got any chemicals yeah. or anything in it. And, like, for a lot of the time when I was home healing straight after my surgery, I didn't use deodorant because I wanted it to come out. It was There was also thick, sticky, disgusting stuff. I stink. I can't explain to you the smells that, of my underarm, like my body odour. Just the detoxing of what's coming out is frightening alone. It's mm-hmm. getting better. It's two months now, but I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Like what makes you? What makes your armpit burn? And then a couple of days later, it was gone. God, I mean, this is such just so incredible, and also just like anyone listening like even if you don't have breast implants, it just like makes you think. Okay, what else? Just in general, are are they putting in our bodies and not really telling us? what's in it you know like there's no education around this like I mean there are so many other things that doesn't have to necessarily just be a breast implant or for anybody who is struggling with a like some kind of chronic health issue and they can't figure out the root cause Mm -hmm. looking into these other areas that no one else is talking about so do you have breast implants do you have tattoos what about what you're exposed to you know like all, like the mold, the mold exposure and mold toxicity, what's in your environment? Like all these things that we don't think about, you know, even EMF, um, like mm. what your technology, how that's affecting you. Like we need to think outside the box and we are given all these things in today's world with like no, no caution statements or get, you know, like we're not told of these side effects. They don't even know. They don't even know what they're recommending. And like, it scares me to think what the hell we're doing to ourselves without realizing it totally it's crazy yeah and like I said you scratch the surface on these things like I've got surgeons you've got an industry sitting there saying there's no research Mm -hmm. they're safe there's nothing that says this isn't safe for you but when you look into it you realize yeah there's no research yeah you don't even know what's inside of them so how can you positively sit there and tell me that these are okay Mm -hmm. and it goes and like you said like that that isn't just independent to the breast implant industry. That's everywhere. Like you said, so for me now, understanding. So I ran it, as you know, I ran a genetics test and I ran 100 markers recently to see what's going on. And I found out I have, the, like yourself, the MTHFR gene. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, some good things and bad things in my genetic makeup. Um, but I realized also in that that I'm high risk autoimmune disease both my parents have autoimmune diseases so me probably should never have been a candidate for implants based on that alone my body attacks itself Mm -hmm. so now that they're out 
do you think I'll ever put Botox into my face? Never. Do you think I'll ever, even if I had to get an implant for my tooth, I would think twice Mm -hmm. because my body would probably respond the same. Take away the fact of whatever the hell is in those implants and whether they leak into my body or not, I'd never know with or without a rupture. That's a whole other conversation. But there are still a lot of women who are saying that they're fit to be a candidate for an implant or, like you said, tattoos. Like, I'd never get a tattoo because I would run the risk of getting sick again because my body attacks itself. Mm -hmm. So we need to open up a broader conversation around this and build up some awareness. Yeah. Um, Because I'm saying, like, we don't know if every woman gets sick. They probably don't because there's heaps of women who have got them who are sick. Or maybe they are symptomatic and they just thought that was another illness. Yeah. We don't know. And also, it's just like, with all these things that people don't realize that, first of all, sometimes things are happening in your body that you don't even notice and it can take years for you to see any symptoms and then half the time doctors put it off you know on something else they blame it on something else I mean Mm. it's scary I mean I'm really glad you're sharing this and I just hope it's eye-opening for some people um because this Mm. whole this whole general concept can be applied to not just breast implants but we just need to be more more aware of everything that we're putting in on around our bodies um and that i mean it it sucks but you kind of like people are just like well i trust my doctor i trust blah blah blah. they're an expert i'm like at this point you need to just trust yourself you know and be your own advocate and like your bodies can will tell you i don't care what the doctor says you know If I followed, like even just getting my genetic results, if I followed the recommended Australian and American diet of eating 300 grams of carbohydrate a day, even if they were the cleanest carbs in the world, I would be obese and diabetic. Yeah. So, but hang on a second, that's the recommendation. That's (laughs) what the doctor says. That's what whatever. I don't give a shit. My body was telling me before the DNA test that this was wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. And But for a long time, I would sit there, even before my implants or anything, and I would eat these foods. Like, I would eat oats thinking, but oats are good for me. How could this? And so I would think it was something else. I'd exercise more. I'd do something else. But, or, you know, but it's crazy that um, we just, we can't trust everything. You can only trust your own body. Yeah. I want to talk a bit more about um, the diet. Like, yeah. And how you feel like that played a role in your healing and like the different things you tried and then also kind of what you're planning on doing from here. Sure. Diet is the number one thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I think for everybody, like having my diet, like I touched on, changing my diet healed my anxiety, my depression. It took away, um, it, it gave me a quality of life that I would not have had with my body under the the stress that it was. So as I said, when I first started, I was pretty much a therapeutic ketogenic diet. Today, it's a very different thing. So I believe in a nutrient-dense keto experience. I don't believe a ketogenic diet is a mathematical equation. I think it is whatever puts your body into a ketogenic state. For me, what I learned Um, And this would be important for anyone who has stress in their body, thyroid issues or anything. If you eat too low carb, so when I was eating 20 grams of carbs and under, I wasn't registering very high ketones. And in fact, I was getting kicked out of ketosis a lot. I'd be like 0.3. 
And what I realized was that was my cortisol. My body was in too much stress. So my cortisol would go up, insulin goes up, that would kick me out of ketosis. So I did some more research and I saw, read that if you've got thyroid issues, you should be eating, say, around 30 to 50 grams of carbohydrate minimum a day. And that's net carbs, not total. So for those who don't know, that's the taking the fiber outside of the carbohydrate count. Once I started doing that, my ketone levels were registering over one because I was able to calm down my cortisol. I started to feel a lot better. My Again, that those adrenal issues that I said started to wind up again, went back down again. I don't fast. I do fast, but I don't fast what everyone does. So I probably fast between, say, 13 hours overnight, and then I have three meals a day, right, three times, and I have five to six-hour mini fasts between meals. I don't snack. And I make sure that I get as many nutrients on my plate every time I eat. So I eat, I try and eat as much organic as I can, but it's not necessary with all foods. So um, as you know, I'm writing a book answering the 100 questions I had when I went keto. So it'll be called Keto 100. Now that I've got my health back, I can finish the final draft. But in there, I also talk about there's the clean 15 and the dirty dozen which is um, they'll, most countries will go through their food and tell you which ones are the cleanest around pesticides and which are the dirtiest. And it's that list of which you probably find the dirty dozen. There's usually spinach and things like that. You want to buy them organic, but avocado, not so necessary because if you can't afford it, just buy what you can. That's mm-hmm. the best thing. So I try and do that. I do only eat grass-fed, pasture-raised meat one it's better for me to ethically i think we have a huge farming issue of mass farming and i don't want to be a part of that so i do that's why i buy that i buy organic chickens free range pork if i eat it um i started reintroducing kangaroo back into my diet i know you i need to try that i'm dying (laughs) they don't have that here (laughs) yeah so um Oh, it's just a really fan. So I now cut, I choose leaner cuts of meat because I want to reduce. I've reduced my fat down to about fifty percent and my protein back up to say thirty and carbs to twenty, because I know my body prefers protein because mm-hmm. of my um, genetics test, and also I don't want to eat my fat. I don't want my body busy burning dietary fat. I want it to burn my body fat. So if you're constantly overeating fat, you might be re- registering high ketones, but they're dietary ketones. Mm-hmm. Then it's not your actual body stores and body fat. So that's kind of where I sit today. And yeah, like I said, I just, you see a lot of color on my Instagram page. Yeah. A lot of vegetables. I showed you what I made this morning. I came up with a new recipe. I so know. I made a pink waffle out of beetroot. I love it. Um, so it's, it's so interesting though, because, so are you still testing your ketones? I still occasionally. For me, um, me losing weight, the only reason I want to do it is because it's a sign that my body's healing. Mm-hmm. It will. It's it's held on to the fat because of, like I was saying, it was um, protecting my brain and organs from the toxins. So I know my body will be healed when it can drop that weight. So I have lost four kilos in six weeks from 
So it was, yeah, around six. I'm still hovering about that weight now. And I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's getting comfortable. So now that I've been able to increase my physical activity, I think now that's when I'll see that that'll start to drop. So I'd still like to check in. I kind of look at my ketones and my glucose um, just occasionally, maybe once a week, once a fortnight, just to make keep an eye on it. Um, but I don't chase ketone levels. Mm-hmm. I don't believe the high ketone reading means that you're burning more fat or anything like that. It's just about stability and what's right for your body um, because you can trick your body into showing high ketone readings. Just yeah. drink bulletproof coffee. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you're actually. Yeah. So, so you have increased your protein and so you're 50% mm-hmm. protein. No, 50% fat. Oh, okay. About okay. 30, 40% protein okay so you're 30 percent protein which is a good it's just a good amount and it then is. you're 20 percent carbs yeah and about you- so i was doing i was doing 50 percent fat 40 percent protein and 10 percent carbs but i did a dexa report mm-hmm. so i've tweaked that slightly a, a dexa scan um for me also because i've got so much healing to do i need the protein I need the amino acids. I need all of that to heal my body. Yeah. I need the nutrients in my food. So I want to try and eat 50 grams of carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. I want to eat around 100 grams of protein a day. And then I believe your fat grams should be under your protein grams. Mm. Okay. Not eat higher. And, because, you, and yeah. you're still feeling all the like positive effects that you still felt going keto initially. Yeah. So... I still am in ketosis. I register at about 0.9 and 1.2 consistently. I just want to... Even upping my carbs up and my protein. Yeah, I just like like to... What? Yeah. The trick is not to overeat. You can't overeat. That's the problem. Don't count percentages. If you eat too many calories, it's not about calories. It's about energy. So if you are consuming too much energy... You, you are going to store it. doesn't matter whether what it is. So if you count grams, not percentages, that'll keep your calories count. And I believe you should keep it in line with your basal metabolic rate. Mm-hmm. So, and this is, you know, there's going to be people out there who can fast all day and then eat 4,000 calories and lose weight. But that I don't think is the norm. Yeah. I don't think it's healthy or consistent or a long-term lifestyle. So um, for me, it's about three eating three times a day and yeah. getting heaps of nutrients. Are you eating a carbohydrate with every meal? Yeah, it depends. Like last night, I really felt like veggies. So I just filled my plate up with smashed Brussels sprouts, um, cauliflower, broccoli, and uh, some pumpkin. Mm-hmm. But unlike you, I didn't eat a whole head of <laughs> cauliflower. <laughs> You can't, I had a quarter. You can't beat me. You can't beat me. No, I just I, can't. I just like using you as an example to show like that you know you people need to listen to their bodies and they can address their macros and for example keto isn't this one size fits all macro ra- macronutrient ratio like you can yeah. have carbohydrates and you can increase your protein and you're going to be fine you know like you can adjust as it goes. 
100%. I mean, people who try and tell me, oh, that's not keto, really? Because do you want to tell that to my ketogenic, like, do you want to kiss my ketogenic ass? Like, yeah. seriously, because my body's in ketosis. So how can you possibly tell me it's not a ketogenic diet? One thing I've learned is sometimes your answers are not found in restricting more. Uh-huh. Exactly. I got more health benefits, more results from actually increasing my carbohydrate count, increasing my protein, balancing out my fat, use it as a lever to keep me satiated and full. But what we've got to realize is that when you're fat adapted, unlike calorie restrictive diets of the past where you're carb fueled, and if you don't eat enough calories, your body's going to slow down the engine and cause your metabolism to slow down. When it comes to a fat-adapted body, if I ate 200 calories under, say, my my body's needs of energy for that day, it'll just take it from my fat stores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not going to slow down the engine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, that's this is the great nature of where we're sitting in. With this is why we we have this lifestyle. Yeah, I also think that your story is really good for those who, I I mean, I tell people this and they don't believe me. It's like weight isn't always just a function of eating exercise. I mean, if you have this internal inflammation, if your body is fighting something that like you need to address that and the weight will come with actual healing. 100%. One thing I say is if you choose to go down the path of a ketogenic, low carb, high fat diet, or by cutting out even paleo or anything like that, when you start to take, if you take the pressure off your body, you cut out all of those terrible foods that we know how bad they are. And if you're still not losing weight, you're going to learn, you're going to find out that it's not about what you eat. It's there's something else that's wrong inside Mm -hmm. of you. And you need to address that. Um, And that to me has been one of the best non-scale victories I ever got out of going into this lifestyle because I did feel good and I did get results, but they were never con- they were never constant. So I was constantly forced to peel back another layer and peel back another layer in search of good health, and that's what I found at the end of it. And you'll get that doing this. You've just got to listen to your body and not give up and not realize it's not all about the scales. I made the decision, I realized months ago that my weight issues have nothing to do with what's on my plate, mm-hmm. nothing to do with it. It's more about, you know, me being in ketosis. What would kick me out of ketosis was not what was on my plate. It was someone cutting me off in traffic or having a stressful day at work. It would spike my cortisol so high because my body was in such a fragile state because I wasn't eating enough carbohydrate for it back then that that was the cause of it. Mm-hmm. So cutting more, being more restrictive and cutting out more carbs was not going to help that issue meditating helps that issue yes yeah I I love that this has been so eye-opening I'm sure this is going to help so many people and I just want to say thank you again for sharing your whole story I know it's not easy to share that all (laughs) but like god you're so inspiring like I cannot wait oh my god I don't even have words I'm very excited for your book and for more people to read that and then just for more people to hear this and hear your story. So thank you for sharing this. No, thank you. And, and, you know, what you do is so beautiful. You're such, I'm so glad we connected. And this is what I love about 
this Instagram world that we live in, I get to meet amazing people like you who are doing such powerful things for, you know, not only just women, but, you know, you're such a great ambassador for women with your own story. Um, and that inspires me to share mine as well. So mm. thank you, gorgeous girl. Mm, thank you. No, I'm so glad we connected. You know, I adore you. And I want other people to be able to connect with you too. So can you tell people like where they can find you and connect with you? Absolutely. So my Instagram is the underscore LCHF. So low carb, high fat underscore lifestyle. Um, I'm on Facebook as the full name. So the low carb, high fat lifestyle. I do have a blog that needs some love, but yeah, I've been working on my health, not my blog. Yeah. So that's of the same name. Um, so the low carb, high fat lifestyle.com. And I've got a YouTube channel too. And you can click through to that from my, um, Instagram page. And, uh, yeah, so that's me. Yeah. And Elda's the um talking all things keto uh, live on her instagram if you guys want to watch those and then she puts them up on her youtube channel and i was on one yeah you were great you're still so peter's trying to compete with you to get the most views he can't win he can't he can't win so um <laughs> yeah so talking all things keto is exactly what we were talking about so i wanted to demonstrate to everybody how differently people do keto so I do that by asking everyone the same 10 questions mm -hmm. and the answers are all different mm -hmm. and everyone's got results. Yep. So go listen to you. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. So everybody check that out. Okay. Well, thank you again for talking to me. Thanks, I'm, darling. We, I'm sorry I kept you on so long, but this was amazing and I seriously love you. <laughs> oh, I love you too. Thank you, gorgeous. <laughs> all right. I know that was a long one, but it was certainly a good one. I am sure you found that fascinating. I am really excited to start helping Elle bring more awareness to breast implant illness. Maybe you don't have breast implants, but maybe this episode sort of helped you think about your own health in a new light or think about anything that you're putting in or on your body and how that might be affecting you. I just think it's an incredibly inspiring, fascinating story. So if you want to reach out to Elle or learn more about her or learn more from her, you can find her on Instagram at the underscore LCHF underscore lifestyle on her YouTube channel, the low carb high fat lifestyle. She posts her talking all things keto interviews on there. I'm on one of those too. So you can find me there and all of her links will be in the show notes. If you are interested in reaching out to her I'm sure she would really appreciate it if this resonated with you and if you are struggling or think you might be struggling with breast implant illness make sure you definitely check out that Facebook page that Facebook group that she mentioned so that's pretty much all I have for you this week a huge thank you to Eleni for popping in and sharing her story and her journey with us and I cannot wait to hear your response so if you like this, make sure you subscribe, make sure you leave a rating and a review, share it around, and I'll talk to you again next time. Bye.